0: Welcome to the River Fellowship Podcast. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson takes us to James 5, verses 13 through 20. In this passage, we learn that we were never intended to live the Christian life alone. We were created for community, but these three elements are essential if the church is to embrace and experience real community. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. I don't know if you've noticed, but I have a ping pong table up here. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I love ping pong. I grew up playing ping pong as a, as a young guy. I played a lot of tennis, so ping pong was a, a less windy, shorter, smaller version of being able to play some tennis. Played a little bit more when I got in college, et cetera. Just you know, goofing around. Haven't played a lot you know, in the last several decades, just every once in a while here and there. But I love to play ping pong. In fact, I love to play ping pong so much, I'm just going to play a little ping pong. OK, so just bear with me. I'm going to play a little ping pong. Here we go. Sorry, messed up. Help me out. Okay, one more time. Oh, bad shot. One more time. I think one more time. Let's try one more time. Oh, that was weak. Here you we go. Oh, weak again. Okay, that's enough of that. I used to do that a lot longer when I was a little younger. I'm sorry. I got a better idea. I might get somebody to play with me. Where's Jerry? Jerry Kirkland here? Come play a little ping pong with me. Let me me rest for a minute. Hang on. Oh, I need something more. Oh, don't put stuff on it. Now, see, this is way better, isn't it? This is a lot more fun. Don't have to run quite as hard. Have somebody to kind of share what's going on. It's a lot easier. I could probably play like this a lot longer. You know what would be more fun? More people. Mark, Martin, come on. Let's play a little doubles. You're fired up, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Now you remember you have to alternate. (laughs) Just for the record. Oh, hey, come on. Come on, man. Okay. Now, this is a lot more fun. You get a little chance to kind of relax a little bit. You can, you can chill out and let the other person hit. And it doesn't matter if you hit the table. Doesn't matter if you hit the net. That's good, guys, since you're chasing that ball anyway. Go get it. <laughs> Here's the deal with ping pong. It's a great sport. It's a lot of fun. But it was not intended to be played by itself. I can play ping pong by myself but I'm gonna get tired really quick, weary really quickly. I'm gonna burn out very quickly. Ping-pong was not created to be played by itself. It was created to be played with other people. We're in the middle of our vision series. Uh, For the last several weeks, we've been dealing with our four-part vision statement. Those of you that have been here for several weeks, you may have this memorized by now, I don't know, but if you're new, our four-part vision statement is, we want everyone, we desire for everyone, to experience God, to exalt Christ, to embrace community, and to engage the world. The last several weeks, we've dealt with the first two, experiencing God and exalt Christ, and this morning, we're gonna shift and talk a little bit about the third tenet, which is to embrace community. How do we embrace community? The Christian life, the Christian experience is a lot like ping pong. It was never intended to go through life by ourself. Christianity was created in community, designed to be part of community. We were never intended to go through this all by ourselves. We can try to go through the Christian experience by ourselves, but we're going to wear out, we're going to become tired, we're going to burn out very quickly. The reality is we've been made for community. There's several studies that have taken place. There was a Harvard study uh, several years ago, actually, kind of a a weird study, I'm not sure exactly how they did it, but they had a group of, of infants that had no human contact, very little human contact. They had another group that had a lot of human contact and they kind of tracked them through the years and they discovered that those that had little human contact early on had lower coping skills, they had worse behavior problems, they were, their, their physical growth was actually stunted. They did a study on loners, uh, the hermit type people who just always want to be by themselves and isolated from other people. They discovered they're at a double risk for heart attack. They suffer more depression. They suffer greater health issues. There's even been studies on prisoners when they'd be released, how a lot of them will go back into prison. There's several reasons for that, but one of the reasons was community even though they were in prison they had a community there when they get released now they're out they don't have that community anymore and so things just don't don't jive we were created for community even as believers now what's kind of interesting about our new world about today our new technology now there's actually virtual community and we can enjoy virtual community there's message boards chat rooms, social networking sites, on and on and on and on, where you can get wrapped up in this virtual community. Now, the essence of the virtual community, though, is one, there's a lot of distance. You know, you can, you can have community with somebody on the other side of the world. There's anonymity. They don't really know anything about you. They only know what you want them to know about you. They only see what you allow them to see. There's no involvement. There's no commitment. There's no personal interaction. It's just a virtual community. It's an opportunity to experience a type of community without experiencing the real thing. What does virtual mean? It means not real. So virtual community is not a real community. It might have some realistic attributes. It might have some realistic characteristics. It may look real at times, but it's not real. It's a virtual community. And unfortunately, I think a lot of our churches are experiencing virtual community. We're experiencing some characteristics of real community. But there's not that involvement, that commitment, that interaction, that transparency that you get with real community. So what I want to talk about this morning is how do we embrace community? Because what I don't want River Fellowship to be is a virtual community. (laughs) I want it to be real community. And all of us that become involved in this, we experience and we embrace community. So how do we embrace community? That's what I want to talk about. We're gonna be in James chapter five. James chapter five, we're gonna pick it up in verse 13. And typically, this passage, uh, when people speak on this passage, they're usually either speaking on prayer or on healing, and they'll use this passage. And both of those are great applications to this verse. But I want to look at this passage in the context of community this morning. James chapter five, verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him see, sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I want to talk about three aspects to embracing real community, what's involved. Here's the first one, authenticity. If we're going to experience and embrace community, there has to be authenticity. Look what verse 13 is here. It talks about being in trouble. Is anyone in trouble? That word trouble means to suffer hardship. It means that times are just getting tougher and tougher. It's the connotation that things are just piling on and piling on and piling on. You've heard that song, Trouble? Trouble, 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 trouble. Trouble's been dogging my day since the day I was born. Ever felt like that? that's what this verse is talking about if you if you have this dynamic of it's just trouble things are just weighing you down things are just coming after you you're experiencing trouble verse 14 says is anyone sick now that word sick means to be weak or ill or powerless, it can involve physical illness, obviously, but it can be broader than that as well, but it's just that feeling of, man, I have no power, I'm just totally, it's kind of like having the flu, you know, where you just, you can't even get out of bed, it's just, uh, that's, that's what this word is. But in verse 15, it uses the word sick again, that's a different word, that means to grow weary. Again, it can include physical illness, but it can include discouragement, uh, depression, just emotional things that begin to weigh us down. It's a broad spectrum if we are suffering from that type of sickness as well. Verse 15 talks about those who have sinned. If you sinned, this word refers actually to practicing willful wrongdoing. In other words, it's not just that occasional flub up, I make a mistake, I kinda of did something I wasn't supposed to do. It's talking about practicing a lifestyle of sin, knowing that it's wrong and that God says, Don't live this way. That's what this word's really talking about. Is if you're if you're just committed to living against God's plan and God's desire. So here's what he's saying: if you're in trouble, if you're sick, if you're weary, if things are piling on, even if you've sinned. In other words, if you're experiencing some difficult days, whether they're of your own making or whether they they weren't of your own making, just things came upon you. If you are going through that process, what it's trying to say here, the connotation is, if you are, don't hide it. Admit it. And come to the body. Come to the community. Come to the family. And let's deal with it together. Let's walk alongside one another in the midst of this. Our tendency for most of us is to hide issues that we're going through. We don't want anybody to know what's going on. Somehow in the Christian community, I don't know how it developed or when it developed, but a, a practice a the, I don't know, something developed that said mature believers don't struggle. Mature believers don't have problems. Mature, mature believers don't sin. You know, They don't have faults, they don't have weaknesses. I don't know where that came from. It didn't come from the Bible. It didn't come from God. It didn't come from biblical examples. Actually, I do know where it came from. It came from the enemy. It came from pride. It came from from insecurity. But what happened is we all want to be mature believers. We all want everyone to think we're mature believers. And if mature believers don't have any faults or sins or issues or things going on, then I don't have anything going on. So when I come into the community and corporate dynamic, I'm not going to let anybody know what's going on in my life because I want everyone to think I'm a mature believer. So if I have issues going on in my life, they're going to think I'm not a mature believer. So what that creates is this dynamic of not being willing to be authentic. What it creates is this, this different image that everything's OK even when everything's not OK. When I was getting ready for this sermon, I found this little mask in our closet. We've got a, a, a closet of toys for our grandkids. When they come over, they got stuff to play with. This actually had a stick on it. We had four or five of these, but our grandkids play with them when they broke all the sticks off the mask. But what's funny is our, these our two oldest grandkids love the mask. So they would put these on, and they would just start wearing their mask, and they would run around. And what was funny is they got a kick out of one another. But what I realized, even with myself, when I would look at them, I know that's Mavis. I know that's Truett. It looks just like them. It sounds just like them. But when you look at the mask, I just start laughing because it looks so different. They look, they look so different with the mask on. When I was in high school and college, I had a, a Great Dane. Also had some German Shepherd mix. Um, some of you may remember the cartoon of the great Dane Marmaduke. Remember that cartoon? Well, my, my dog was a female, so I named her Marmadutch. <laughs> One Halloween, we were having a uh, Halloween costume party with just some of our friends, so I dressed up as an old man, all the garb, everything, the cane, everything. But I, I bought this complete mask that you put over your head, and it's an old man mask. and it had long, stringy gray hair, actually kind of a pretty creepy mask now that I look back at it but it's this old man so I'd put that on in the house and Marmaduke would just go nuts she would start freaking out barking jumping I'll try to talk to her and say hey it's me it's me well that confused her more because she could hear my voice but she's seeing a different face well it was a big dog and she would actually scare me at that point I'd have to take the mask off because she's about to attack me thinking somebody's doing something to him But what was funny is you had the same voice but a different face. Here's the point I'm trying to make which I hope is very obvious. Many of us come to the community, we come to church, we come around other believers and we put the mask on. We want to act like everything's good, everything's okay, I'm not going to expose anything that's going on deeper in my life. Why? Because I have to maintain this image that I'm a mature believer and mature believers don't have those kind of issues. To embrace community first means a willingness to be authentic. We have to be willing to admit when we're in trouble, when we're in struggle, when we're in sin. That's part of, when we have our our prayer partners, our prayer team after our services, they're on the sides, That's, that's part of what they're doing, it's an opportunity for us just to pray with someone, to experience community, to embrace community. If there are things going on in your life, it may be as simple as I'm gonna share Christ with somebody this week and I, want, I wanna be prayed for so I have strength. Whatever the issue is, that's what that's for. So we can come together and we can say, I want somebody to pray with me about X. That's what the whole deal's about. But here's the big question. Why is it so easy to wear masks and so hard to be authentic? Probably several reasons, but one reason is this second aspect that we need to embrace community, and that's acceptance. If we really embrace community, there also has to be acceptance. Look in verses 14 and verses 16. Both of those verses, it uses the phrase pray over or pray for. If you're going through these situations, then come to the body and be prayed for, be prayed over. It doesn't say come to the body so you can be judged by (laughs) <laughs> come to the body so you can be condemned by. Come to the body so you can be ridiculed, act like something's weird. No, you come to the body, why? To be prayed over and to be prayed for. That is, that is the dynamic, that is one of acceptance, of understanding, of willing to walk alongside. So if it's confessing sins to one another, if it's asking for prayer, if it's admitting or requesting anything, personal. That requires acceptance. If I don't feel that I'm going to be accepted when I come to you with all of my stuff then I'm never going to show that stuff to you. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm going to continue to suffer in silence. I'm going to continue to wear that happy, healthy, everything's fine mask if I don't feel the acceptance. Several years ago we lived in Odessa. I was serving uh, on staff at a church there and our boys were really young uh, preschoolers at this time we lived in a little townhome apartment complex area and so denise had taken our two boys out kind of on a playground area out there and while she was pl- there watching the boys another lady came with with her little child they began to talk a little bit and after a few minutes um you know they began to say you know hey are you married not married and she said no i'm not married you know i'm i'm uh, I'm single. She asked Denise. she said, "Yeah, you know I'm married." And so she asked, "What does he do?" And, "Well, my husband's a, you know, one of the pastors at the church downtown, etc." So then Denise immediately said, "Well, what do you do?" When she asked, the lady became very quiet, she kind of paused, she put her head down, and she said, "I'm a stripper." And as soon as she said that, she began to walk away, distance herself from Denise. And kind of ended the conversation. And if you know my wife, that ain't that happening. So she said, <laughs> she, I mean, she just started going, what what are you doing? What's the deal? What's going on? What what's what's happening? Well the lady shared, she said, Well, typically, when I find out that I'm talking to Christians, they find out what I do, they end the conversation really quickly, and I was just gonna save you the embarrassment of that, and I just thought I would just end it myself. Of course, Denise didn't have that, and they talked for a lot longer and became friends. But the point was, she sensed that same thing that so many of us sense in the church community, of not having acceptance. When I was in Lubbock, uh, this was a few years after that incident, I was a youth pastor at church there. And I had these two high school guys that were just crazy guys. And when they would come, if, if it was nice weather, they always came in shorts and just an old t shirt. A lot of times, just a sleeveless, like tank top shirt. If it were cold, they might have short sleeves on. That's just what they were. They never dressed up at all. Well, one particular summer Sunday morning, these two guys come to, into the youth group area and they were dressed in full three piece suits. Vest and everything, tie, everything, polyester suits. (laughs) And so obviously I had to give them a hard time, make a little fun tease. We just had a good time with that. But then finally I said, why are you wearing this? They said, well, we'll be honest with you. Last night, early into the morning, like three o'clock in the morning, they were working on their cars and they got so greasy and grease all over them that they woke up because they were up so late. They woke up so late. They didn't have time to shower or do anything. They had grease all over them. So they didn't want anybody to see the grease. So they just put these suits on, <laughs> put it the next two, so they can come to church and nobody sees their grease. And I remember thinking, even that time, how many people, how many of us put our suits on, come to church, so that nobody will see our grease? No one will see our pain, no one will see our struggle, no one will see our faults, no one will see our sins, no one will really know what's going on inside of us. Why do we do that? Part of the reason is we don't feel the acceptance if we show that stuff. Romans 15, seven says, accept one another then. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another just like Christ has accepted you. How has Christ accepted us? Well, Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were rebellious, while we were in sin, While we were fulfilling our selfish nature and our selfish desire, when we could not give a rip about God or what he wanted us to do, in the midst of that, he fully accepted us and gave his life for us. We're to accept people the same way. If God can accept me with all of my junk and trash and sin, surely I can accept people in the midst of their pain and their struggle and their walk. Because if I'm really honest, I'm going through the same stuff. Somehow we've got to take this mature believers don't sin and don't struggle and don't have problems. We've got to, somehow we have to remove that theology and say we all have those kind of issues. But here's the correlation. Acceptance breeds authenticity. If we're gonna embrace community, we have to have both acceptance and authenticity because I will only be authentic in front of you if I know I'm fully accepted by you when you see the real me. (laughs) When you see stuff that's going on with me. And here's the reality, people in the church, people outside the church, we all have real needs and real pain and real issues and real hurts and real struggles and real problems and we have to have a place where we can expose those and be accepted in the midst of those. The church ought to be the ultimate place of acceptance. No one should ever come into our fellowship and feel condemned or judged or criticized or belittled Every person should understand and feel the acceptance that comes through the body of Christ. You want to see River Fellowship explode? You want to see River Fellowship have a great impact in people? Create this type of environment. If we can create the type of environment where you can be authentic because you will be fully accepted, if we can truly be that kind of a body, People will come because that's what people want. That's what people need. They need community and they need acceptance. So how do we embrace community? Authenticity, acceptance. And here's the third one. That's accountability. We've got to be willing to have accountability. Look in verses 19 and 20. We didn't read this earlier. Verse 19 in James. says, my brothers if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. When we wander off, we need someone to help bring us back. When we get wrapped in sin, we need someone to help kind of unwrap us. When we veer off Track. We need someone to kind of bring us back in track. That's what accountability is all about. And accountability works two ways. It means, one, I have to be willing to be held accountable to you. But secondly, I also have to be willing to hold you accountable at the same time. It works both ways. Verse 16 is a very interesting verse to me. It says, confess your sins to one another. Now, when I read that, my first response is, you're nuts. You're crazy. There ain't no way I'm getting up here and spilling my guts on everything that's going on. There's no way I'm doing that. That's not really what this verse means. This verse does not mean get up and tell everybody in the body everything that's going on in your life and everything you've ever done and thought. That's not what this is saying. What it's saying is you need to surround yourself with some people that will help hold you accountable people that you can be fully authentic in front of, that you know that you'll be fully accepted once you begin to share, but you need to, you need to bring some people into your life, one, two, three, four, whatever, some people into your life that you can be held accountable. Will you give them permission to say, hold me accountable? When you see me veering off, I want you. You have permission to bring me back. If you see me wrapped up in sin, you have my permission to begin to unwrap me and expose that and confront me in those issues. Because the reality is we need that. None of us can walk with Christ the way we're called to by ourselves. There's no way we're all going to veer, we're all going to have issues, we're all going to begin to become tired of what's going on. So we have to have this accountability. So that's really what that saying is, be willing to be held accountable. Hebrews 10:24 says, "And let us not or and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds." How we can spur one another on. That word spur, it means to incite, it means to sharpen. It means to generate excitement. Accountability is actually a good word and a positive term because really what accountability is is it's spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. It's generating excitement. It's sharpening us. The context of that Hebrew passage is you had young believers in that early church, remember that the church was young. It was still the first century. All these believers are new, Christianity is new, and so all these believers, when they come to Christ, man, they're fired up, they're excited about what's going on, about the relationship with Christ, but over a few years, they began to lose, some of them began to lose their zeal, and their passion, and their fire, and their excitement, partly because Jesus hadn't returned, and they were thinking, hey, he's gonna return any day, and he hadn't, so they're, is he really returning? partly because they're suffering a lot of persecution in the early church at that time. So for some of those reasons, they begin to lose their zeal and their passion. And so the writer of Hebrews says, for those that are losing that passion, spur one another on. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, verse 25 continues on, but come together in the dynamic of community with accountability and spur one another on. And accountability is just that. It's helping us stay excited and passionate and zealous for our relationship with Christ and what He's doing in our life. That's what accountability is all about. It's actually a positive word. And the same thing is true today as was in the early church. It's easy for us in hectic schedules, in daily pressures, and all the things that we face from day to day, whether it's family-related, work-related, financially-related, whatever it is, it's easy for us in the midst of all that to lose our zeal and our passion and our fire and the desire to follow Christ with fervor. So we need to be spurred on. That's what accountability is all about. There's a, an interesting passage in Ecclesiastes about accountability. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but it, in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 8 said, There was a man all alone, just one. Verse nine says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. But then it ends that phrase by saying a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So it gives us a picture of three numbers. One, all by yourself, that's bad. Two's better because you have someone to help you in the journey. But a cord of three That strand is strong and powerful and hard to break. What accountability is, is giving yourself a strand of three so that you have some people alongside of you that you've given permission to come into your space. And with that cord of three, you will not quickly be broken. So when the enemy comes and attacks, you have other people to stand with you. When you have that tendency to lose that fire and passion, you have people standing with you saying, come on. With ping pong, I could play ping pong by myself if I wanted to, but I can tell you, it's not gonna last long, I'm gonna get tired quick, I'm gonna burn out quick, and I'm gonna gonna quit playing. But if I play with some buddies, And I can play all night. And the same is true with my Christian journey. If I've got to do that by myself, I'm going to tire out, I'm going to burn out, and I'm going to quit at some point. I'm just going to bail. But if I have some buddies, if I have a community, if I have a family that I can do this with, I can do it all day. And that's what River Fellowship has to be. We have to embrace community where we can be fully authentic, where we fully accept every person and we're willing to have accountability. Why? So we can continue the journey and be what God has called us to be. So may we experience, may we embrace community. Let me invite you to bow with me if you would. I want the Spirit just to minister to, to you. And I don't, again, I don't know what you came here with this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life and in your heart. But if you're here and you are one of the ones that are in trouble or you're sick or you sin, there are things going on, life's piling up, I want you to know that you can admit that that there are people in this family that will walk alongside with you. We don't want you to go through those struggles alone. There's no reason to. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages or to learn more about River Fellowship at Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.